Good morning, everyone. Carol was due to pray this morning, but as Sam's already mentioned, she's not feeling quite up to it this morning, so I'm going to pray the corporate prayer on her behalf. So please join with me. Loving Father, we thank you and praise you for another day, a day to discover more about you, a day to grow closer to you, a day to worship you and honour you, a day to serve you. Thank you that you delight in all that you have made and watch over it with your everlasting love. We thank you for the relationship we enjoy with you because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, paying the price for our sins which would keep us forever separated from you had he not taken our place. Thank you, Father. We ask for your forgiveness today for our sins of the past week in our thoughts, in our actions, in our words. We lay them at the foot of the cross and ask you to strengthen us where we are weak. And we thank you for freeing us from any guilt or shame. Father, we lift the people of India to you this morning and pray that the world community will quickly come to their aid with the provision of all they need to care for the multitudes of sick people in that nation. Lord, we pray for strong leadership from the government, for comfort for the bereaved, for the people in shock who have lost loved ones so suddenly, and for those who are hurting and angry at the lack of facilities, drugs and equipment to treat the sick. We especially pray for all the doctors, nurses and health workers feeling so exhausted and overwhelmed by the plight of the people. We pray for your church in India that your people can still be a light in the darkness, despite the horrors and distress around them. Strengthen them, Lord Jesus, and be close to them, we pray. Help them to help others. We pray for the church worldwide to be moved with compassion to try and alleviate their suffering by any means available to them. Father, we pray today for the countries experiencing injustice, experiencing power struggles and threats of war that will lead to their oppression. We lift up the people of Myanmar, of Hong Kong, of Taiwan and the Ukraine. Lord, let your voice be heard and your peace be established. Lord Jesus, you have all authority on heaven and on earth. Please give compassion and wisdom to those who have political or economic authority. Use their influence to bring about peace. For those who have so far refused to consider the suffering they're causing, Father, convict them by your spirit, we pray. O Lord of heaven and earth, of all nations and peoples, of all faiths and no faith, reveal yourself to those who are suffering. Reveal yourself to those who are powerful. Reveal yourself to those who are powerless. Reveal yourself to ordinary people in their everyday lives that this world might reflect your love and your glory. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Isn't it great to uh, have Trevor Pillar on guitar? So good. On my, well, it's my guitar, but you're on, on guitar. It's amazing. Great to have our kids in with us as well in the morning. Isn't that great? It's fantastic. 
Hey, um, just as I'm getting set up, I just want you to turn to the person next to you and uh, ask this question. What is your favourite TV genre or movie genre? Just turn to the person next to you. What's your favourite TV or movie genre? Now, it's not an opportunity to then have a chat about it. It was just, it was just asking a question, guys. Come on. <laughs> hey, I want to... Um, Start this morning by just uh, sharing a story from my past. When I was in my teenage years uh, in youth group, I was invited along to a traditional youth rally uh, where there was great worship. It was at Morfordville Racecourse. There were thousands of of young people there, uh, a very traditional uh, thing. And there was great music and and the preacher preached and then typically gave an altar call at the end. And it was the first time in my life that I really sensed God's presence, that I really felt his call. There was, there was something in me that wanted to respond to the message that was being shared. And I was sitting there, my heart was beating. Have you ever, ever had those situations where your heart's beating and, and you know God's calling you? And there was this call to come to the front to receive prayer and to receive Christ. And my heart was pumping. I'm going, oh, this is, this is it. There was something in me that was holding me back. And it was, what would people think? What will people think if Sam Barnes, you know, I'm pretty cool, and I get up and I admit that I need something beyond myself? And it was a real fear that I had, and it held me back from actually responding. What is the person next to me, my friend who invited me along to this thing, going to think if I get up and walk out the front? And so it goes on a bit, and then there's a second chance. You know, I'd give the second, you know, is there anyone else? And again, my heart's beating, heart's beating, pumping away, and I, I can't do it. I'm just too, too scared of, of my reputation of what people are going to think. And then, and then my friend, he gets up, and he starts walking out the front. And straight away, I just stand up and start following him. It's like, oh, here's my opportunity. This is fantastic. And we get down the front and then they pray and they're praying for my friend to receive Christ and he does that. And then they turn to me and they say, and, and you're here to do that? You want to accept Jesus into your life? And I say, oh, I'm just here to support my friend. Because <laughs> I was still held back. I was still fearful of what people would think. What would my friend think, even though he went through that experience and did it? And I start with that because I think there's barriers that hold us back to responding to God. But in the same way as we flip it and as we're talking about moving out and sharing our faith with others, I think there's also barriers to that, isn't there? Similar fears. It might be a similar fear of what will people think? Do I have all the right answers? Will they think different of me? Uh, particularly in this day and age where... Uh, more and more increasingly there is an antagonism towards the Christian faith. How do I share what Jesus is for me without being that guy? You know what I mean when I say that guy, don't I? Don't you? <laughs> there are people that, that are out there who are, are doing it in a particular way where you're like, well, I don't want to do it like that because I don't want to um, stick out like a, a sore thumb. But sometimes there are things that are holding us back or, or our desire to not be that guy actually makes us no different from everyone else and actually 
stop us from sharing uh, the faith that we have. It's a real concern. So today I want to again unpack this theme that we have through, through this year, and I know I might be going over some similar ground, but I think it's important that we really dig deep uh, into what it means to, to go out and be Christ's light into, into the darkness, into the world, into our spheres of influence that we've been talking about. How do we share our faith? What do we say? What do we do? How do we go about it? I want to encourage you this morning because I think there might be people here a bit like me who in a similar way to being held back by what people would think to receive Christ, I think many of us are held back by what people might think of us when we share our faith. Is that true? What are people going to think of me? Our text is looking at uh, John chapter 4. It's the story of the woman at the well. And it's just some background to this, this story. Many of you know it well. Uh, there's a Samaritan woman in a village who has uh, a, a troubled past where she's been with uh, many partners. She's probably uh, ostracized from that community uh, and so, so much so that she has to draw water in the middle of the day. Normally you do it in the morning or the evening where it's cooler, but she has to go by herself because she's um, so put out in her society by her past. And she has this encounter, this engagement with Jesus. And Jesus, in a moment, in a conversation, doesn't judge her on her past, but she speaks life into her and, and, and loves her. And her life is, at that point, transformed. And in a way, this story is basically a parable of for everyone you and I are that Samaritan woman with a past. You and I are that Samaritan woman who are, is in need of love and affection and perhaps are feeling on the outer in many areas of our life. And Jesus comes to us and in one moment, in one conversation, in one, uh, perhaps it's walking out the front, perhaps it's, it's in prayer or in song, one, you just know his love for you. Um, so, Today, though, I'm not going to talk about the interaction of the woman and Jesus. I want to talk about what happens after. What happens after this woman has this amazing encounter with Jesus? That's our focus. Because I think what happens after our encounter or our moments with Jesus really matters. What happens after our moments really matter. See, I think those moments are designed to lead to movement. When we have an encounter with Jesus, when we, when, we, when we know his presence, and my desire is that as we come together, um, was it Wayne or, or um, someone said this morning, you know, it, it, 24-7, Christianity is 24-7, but it's something special about coming on a Sunday. It's something very special about gathering as God's family. And as we gather, my hope and my desire that every Sunday there will be moments, there will be experiences, there will be touches of, of Christ and the Holy Spirit at work. And that, that is my desire and that is my hope. But if we're just chasing after moments, then we get stuck in the moment. Those moments are designed to cause us to move and to be changed, and to live differently. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. I was stuck in a moment at, at that youth rally, 
and it was designed to actually get me to move, and I didn't. I was stuck. The transformation that Jesus brings is not meant to change us for simply for a moment. It is designed to change the way we live for an entire lifetime. So let's just have a look at the text straight after um, Jesus has this interacting interaction with the Samaritan woman and reading from the NIV. So John chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles or your devices there, you can read along from uh, verse 27. Just then his disciples returned. So Jesus was alone with this woman at a well, which was not kosher. Uh, It was not a normal thing for a man to be alone with a woman and let alone a Jew and a Samaritan who there was some some trouble there between uh, those two different people groups. So the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? I think that's really interesting. I think they're getting to know that this Jesus is a bit different from now, like he does things a bit differently. And so even though it was a bit like out there, they they were scared of asking Jesus what was going on. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Come and see this man, Jesus, and they made their way. I'm going to just unpack that in a moment, but I asked you a question about your favourite TV genre or movie genre. Um, Hands up, action, action, oh, come on. Yeah, come on, action and adventure, romantic comedy, there's a few there, Uh, thriller, like a thriller. Um, Now, Forever in my life, I've loved my action adventure, you know, Bruce Willis or something with some explosions in it. Thank you very much. I'm very satisfied. Um, in fact, I, I used to work at a video store um, with, with the guy that invited me to, the, to that um, first youth rally. And there would be certain genres of movie that when it came across the counter, I'd kind of look at the person and go, are you serious? Like, why would you choose to watch this? This is so boring. Like, you want to be entertained when you watch a movie. Why on earth would you watch something like this? And then uh, I got married and my wife wanted to share one of her very favourite TV miniseries with me and it was this. And I looked at it and I thought, are you serious? Like, boring. How can anything good come out of that? Like, where's the action? Where's the entertainment? And then, of course, I watched it. Uh, You know, do the right thing. You know, share moments with each other. We'll we'll sit down and watch it. And I loved it. It, I was introduced to a new genre that I had completely passed by before, that I had, I had thrown in the trash. There was, there was no way that I by myself would have chosen to watch that. Someone invited me to watch it and because of that I then experienced something that I never would have experienced before. And I love it so much so we've been sharing it with our kids and they've, they've been loving it. We were just watching it just the other day. And there was this moment where 
um, I needed to go get bread or something for lunch and this was on and I was, I was torn because I was like, well, food, pride and prejudice. <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm going for pride and prejudice over food here because I love it so much. So we share what we care about. We share what we love. So Jo loved this series so much so that she wanted to share it with me. And it's the same in this story. We share what we care about. We share what we love. And if we say that we love Jesus, how do we share him? How do we invite others to see this man Jesus and what he does? What is it that holds us back from sharing that with everyone around us? those who are most dear to us. Perhaps we don't feel like we have all the information. Perhaps we don't feel like we have all the answers. That might be holding us back. Perhaps we might fear that they might think, if I show that, you might think funny of me. Same with faith. If I talk about Jesus, you might think differently of me. In this story, the woman has a moment with Jesus that leads her to a movement. She goes back to her town and she becomes very public about her faith. She tells anybody and everyone in that village about her experience, what Jesus has done for her life. In fact, it says in the text, I don't know if you noticed it, she left her water jar and went back to the village. Now, I find it really interesting when you come across little details like that. What is the author trying to say there? It left the water jar. The water jar represented what she needed for sustenance and life. She needed physical water. And in that conversation, Jesus, of course, talked about this, this water of, of flowing water that you, you wouldn't need to come and draw water. I'd, I'd give you this, this living water that lives, leads to life. And so, in a, in a way... The leaving the water jar points to that, but I want to perhaps suggest that the water jar might represent her old way of life. The water jar might represent the life that she had before she met Jesus. And she leaves that there in such, perhaps in a hurry, or perhaps it means something more significant to then move forward back to the village to share. Maybe some of us need to leave something behind in order to move forward this morning. Is it the fear of what people would think? Is it the something else that might be holding us back? Maybe that's represented in this water jar to leave behind in order to be able to move forward, to have that moment that leads to a movement. In fact, what I love about this, and I don't know if John, perhaps he... he made this part of his gospel in terms of how he ordered his gospel. Do you know who the first successful evangelist is in John's gospel? First person to bring people to Christ. It's, 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 what is it? Well, John the Baptist sort of called people to him and the first disciples come. And then we have Nicodemus and he goes back. And then we have the woman at the well. A Samaritan woman is the first one who actually brings people to Christ. Now, that flips things upside down in that world, doesn't it? But it's so encouraging for you and me if we think it's about power, it's about personality, it's about gifting, it's about 
whatever it is in order to share our faith. But here's this Samaritan woman who, with this dark past background whose life is radically changed and she brings a whole village to Jesus. Isn't that encouraging? So, but I want to ask you a question. As we look at this story, now you might need to be theologically trained to answer this question. You might have to have an understanding of the whole Bible to really gauge this answer. Just kidding, you don't. How long has the woman known Jesus? Maybe 15 minutes, half an hour perhaps in a conversation? How long has she known Jesus? How much does she know? How many Bible verses has she memorised? How many answers to tough questions does she have under her belt? See, what I want you to be encouraged by this morning is this woman goes back to her village. As she shares her faith with others, she doesn't give a sermon. She doesn't have a PowerPoint presentation. She doesn't have three easy steps to hear Jesus. She has no statistics, no degree or theology uh, degree. She, sh- she simply shares the story about what Jesus has done in her life. She shares about her experience with Jesus. If you have ever had an encounter with Jesus, then you are qualified to share that story with others. And she does it through invitation. Did you see that in the text? She does it through, she doesn't sit down and say, okay, let's gather everyone in the town hall. I want to give a presentation. I want to give some, some big sort of argument perhaps or some dot points about what it means to follow Jesus. No, she says, come and see. She points back to Jesus and she says, come and see this man who's told me everything that I have done in my life. Sharing our faith, I think, needs to be more about invitation than is about information. It needs to be more about invitation than information. I think so many of us have got it the other way around and it becomes a blocker. We've got to have all of the answers in our heads before we can go out and share our faith. Got to have it all together. Think of it this way. Many of you have kids or have had, had kids that maybe they're grown up now and as a, as a kid, if a kid sees and receives one of these in the post, what happens in your home? There's some excitement, isn't there? There's just this, oh, I'm invited to a birthday party. Now, we've got kids and we've got one particular who would just be so thrilled to receive something like that. Now, on this invitation, the, the young person, the, the child, perhaps a five, fifth or sixth birthday party, they're interested in that top line. You're invited to a birthday party. They're not really interested in the date, the time, whether you need to RSVP. They, they don't go, hang on, mum, uh, what dress code is it? Um, uh, how am I going to get there and back again? Um, does this clash with anything else in my diary, mum? <laughs> All they're excited about is being invited to something that is exciting. Now, 
to clarify, look, we need to have a good grounding and, and, a, and an understanding in, in apologetics, and there's, there's a course next term in apologetics that we could perhaps be, be a part of. We need to understand what people think. We need to understand perhaps some, some questions that people have, some queries or some um, objections, and, and be ready for an answer that we have. That's, that is so important. However, sharing our faith doesn't require us to have all of the answers all of the information, but it says, come and see the God who does. You might be fearful of sharing your faith with others because you don't have all the answers. It's okay not to have all the answers. In fact, what a, what a better response to say, look, that's a great question, I'm not sure, but why don't you come along and check it out and maybe you'll find the answer yourself. Or maybe there's someone else who might be able to be able to help you or maybe you can come and experience have a moment and know in your heart without a doubt that God is real come and see there's um, one of my favourite pop punk bands uh, is a band called Reliant K if you've got Kids growing up and they're getting into music, you don't want to sort of get them into worldly music, but you want some good, solid music, I recommend a band called Reliant K. Honest, real lyrics, Christian-based, but real searching as well. Um, they, they put out a song that, that really changed me in my thinking about this. And there's a lyric in their, in their chorus to the song that says, I don't want to say I'm right. I just want you to know. Now, when I first heard that song, I thought, um, "I don't like." There's this maybe there's this interaction between someone about faith, about truth, about life. You know, I don't want. And, and there's perhaps this this argument going on, or, or toing and froing about who's right, who's wrong, and and the, and the singer saying, "I don't want to say I'm right. I want you to know that I'm right." Now, that's what I first thought about it. But as I was listening to, to the song, what he's saying is, I don't want to have an argument. I don't want to come across with, with rhetoric. I don't want to win you over. I don't want to appease you. Like, I don't want to just win. I actually want you to experience what I know is true. I don't want to say, I don't want to have to say I'm right. I just want you to know. I want you to know. In fact, I think we've got this phrase in, in the Christian world which says, win you to Christ. We've got to win people to Christ. Now, I think that's true. There's a battle going on for people's souls in eternity. And there's, there's a battle going on and, and we, we desire for people to be on the winning side. I think um, there's a way of looking at that phrase that goes, well, it's about a battle. It's about an argument. It's about us like winning rather than about a person being led to Jesus, as this woman did. She said, come and see. Let me take you to this Jesus so that you can know and you can experience him yourself. In fact, if we look at John's gospel and we look at the calling of the disciples, that's exactly what happened. Uh, if, we, if we go back to, um, just hold that one back there for a minute. If we, if we go back to chapter 1, 
as Jesus calls his disciples. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want, he asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. Jesus invites people to come and, and see where he's staying. So um, it's about four o'clock in the afternoon. They went with him to the place where he was staying. They remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of those men and heard what John had said when he followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah. And then it says in verse 42, Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Now, imagine if Andrew never brought, he's called Simon at this stage, Peter, as we know him in the New Testament. Imagine if Andrew never brought Peter to meet and invited Peter to meet Jesus. We would never have had Peter stand up at Pentecost and give that sermon and, and the church be born. But it's because Andrew brought Simon. He invited him to come to Jesus. And then further on down in, in 45, Philip went to look for Nathaniel. We found the very first very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now we all love this next bit. Nazareth? What good can come from Nazareth? And what's his response? Come and see for yourself. There it is again, this invitation to come and see. The story goes on. It talks a little bit. And then it, it regains the story later on. And I want to just take this, this story up. Many Samaritans from the village that the woman came from believed in Jesus Christ because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. Many Samaritans believed in Jesus because of what the woman said. Now, I think it's not just what she said, but it's about, how she she lived. Here's this woman who didn't want to interact with her village because of her shame, because of her past. And yet something happened to her which made her want to go and talk to everyone and not to be off by herself. Something's happened in this woman. He's told me everything I did. So they came to see him. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many to move more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. I don't want to say I'm right. I just want you to know. And that's exactly the experience of these villages. It wasn't just about instantly what had happened for the woman, but they then were invited to meet Jesus, and Jesus shares his message with them. And now this whole village, many come to him and know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. Do you this morning know that Jesus is the saviour? Do you know in your heart of hearts that he is the Lord of Lords, that he is your everything? My hope is that that is the case, that you will come to not just be 
won over perhaps by elegant preaching. No, that's not going to happen. Um, uh, there's some arguments going to be won, some whatever. No, it's going to happen when you meet, when you experience in your heart of hearts, when your heart's beating like I was when I was that young man, and, and you know for sure that God is real. Do you know that he is the saviour of the world? But not everyone came to Jesus straight away. Do you see that? Many believed the woman, but it took time for Jesus to stay in the village and to share his message. And they said, we now believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. I think for many of us, me included, the journey, the, 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 the way to faith is a journey. It's a process. For many of us, there, there is a, a moment, there, there is a, t- a time in our lives where, where we, we know for sure, but there have been steps along the way to lead us to that point. There's been steps along the way. It's a process. And I think some of us in this room, maybe today, is another step closer for you, a step closer to receiving Jesus, for having a moment with him where you know for sure that he is your saviour. My hope is that we wouldn't just have people that just come and are wowed by a message or convinced by argument, but that they would know but that they would know. And it's through invitation. And that's entirely the gospel, isn't it? That Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, made a way and he made it possible and he invites every single one of us to become part of the family of God. And it's, it's better than the best five-year-old birthday party. <laughs> it, it's a wonderful thing. The, the, the gospel is an invitation. So no matter what your background, no matter what your culture, no matter what your, your gender, no matter what your past, Jesus died on the cross and invites you to accept him as Lord into the family of God. I think one of the most important things about the example of this woman is that she takes this moment and she turns it into movement. I think many of us in our lives, as we desire to move out on a Sunday, move into our spheres of influence, make a difference in the world around us, uh, maybe we're just stuck chasing just the moments and not realise that those moments are actually designed to call us to move and to move forward and to move into what he has for us. And so um, as I get the band back up, we're going to sing a song that talks about building our life on Christ. And my hope is that we would all know that we'd want to build our life on Jesus. Thanks, Wayne. But I think there's, there's two people, two types of people I want to talk to this morning. Uh, there might be those here this morning who, who feel like maybe this morning is my time. Maybe 
this morning is my time to receive Christ and to have that moment, to have that experience, to know in my heart of hearts without a doubt that Jesus is real, that he is my Lord and my Saviour. Just like this woman had this wonderful experience where she's now accepted, her life has changed forever. She can go back to her village and she's not judged. She's accepted. She's welcomed. And she's invited to participate in what God's doing in the world. That might be you this morning. Perhaps during this song you might want to maybe even come down the front and be prayed for. Or where you are, just open up your heart to him and may he come and may you have that moment with him that is undoubtedly him. But the second person I want to talk to this morning, type of person, is those who might be a bit stuck in the moment, a bit like me, stuck in my seat at that youth rally and I was, I was fearful to move because of what people might think about me. Can I encourage you as we step out of this place and maybe we need to leave our water jar here this morning, leave that thing that's holding us back from actually going out and be encouraged that it's not about having all the answers. It's not about getting it right. But we follow this woman's example and we say, hey, I might not know that, but come and see the God who does. How do we invite people? Maybe it's to church. Maybe it's to a life group. Maybe it's to a personal opening of the scriptures together. I think that would be an amazing thing. A work colleague at lunchtime, hey, come and see. Let me open up the Bible. Let's read a story together and talk about it. And let's invite people to the best birthday party that's ever been thrown and invite them in to the kingdom as we go and share our faith. So we're going to sing this song. I invite you to stand. I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for anyone this morning who today is perhaps that one step closer. Perhaps they've heard the story but they just need to linger a little bit longer with you, Jesus, so that they may know. It's not about being right, but they may know in their heart of hearts that you are Lord of Lords, that you are their Saviour, that you love them, that you accept them. They don't need to worry about what they've done, but they can come full-heartedly into your presence. Lord, as we sing this song, would you just touch their hearts? Holy Spirit, would you be at work making yourself real so that they may know? And Lord, for those of us who have been around the church for a while who are feeling held back, we've got these things that stop us from sharing. Lord, would you help us to leave those things here today, that we would go away renewed, challenged, free, inspired, to simply say to people, hey, come and see. Come and see this wonderful man, Jesus. See what he's done for my life. See what he's done for my friend's life. See what he's done in the world. And, and he can do that for you. Come and see that you too may know that you are invited into the kingdom of God. Let's, let's stand and see.
was great. I'm sure we'd love to continue on in this sort of sense of worship and prayer, but um, the, the time for the formal service is coming to a close now. And Sam, really appreciated your words today. I just thank you for being God's instrument. I reckon he's, he's spoken to all of us today uh, where we're at. Um, yeah, just, just a word of in- encouragement and particularly just telling us um, and reminding us that we actually know God. He's not just this this theory or this, this book. He's actually a person that we can relate to. So, um, yeah, just looking forward to perhaps hearing of how you might have been moved to send or give an invitation to someone that God's laid on your heart this morning. Um, if you don't know him and just feel like you are invited and want to stand with someone and pray this morning, there is an opportunity to uh, be with someone in the prayer room, which is sort of just off to the right as you as you head out. Um, if you've come also for, with any other prayer needs or just want to spend some time with, with another, another Christian brother or sister to pray over an issue, um, that's an opportunity as well. Um, yeah, just it's been great that you could be a part of this service today, whether you're here or online. It's an opportunity now to just uh, catch up over a, a coffee to chat to someone and perhaps talk about what's going on in your life or, or what um, the Lord's spoken to you about as well in this this service this morning. So, yeah, just uh, God bless you all uh, in this coming week and I just know that he's, he's, he's with us all. Thanks again for being a part of this morning. Bye for now.